This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. We're having lunch together. Where's your yogurt? When you have an apple, you don't need to put sugar on strawberries. You don't need to put yogurt. Just the, the fruit itself is actually a great thing on its own. Yeah, but you can have an apple and you can mm -hmm. have Greek yogurt. Oh, yeah. You can have all sorts of things. Sure. There's no rule. <laughs> sounded like you were making a rule. Don't want to because I quote Glenn Vilpu often in my head. What's the quote? No rules, just tools. There you go. Okay. Stan, do you remember the statement, the mission statement that we put together for this podcast? Ah, uh, <laughs> no. You don't get up in the morning and read it each morning and remind yourself of what we're doing here? Actually, yes, I do. It's it's written on my mirror. Okay, let's hear, let me hear you quote it. Uh, I don't read it. I just, oh, yeah, I just okay. look through it to, to look at myself. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I understand. It's just it's something you can look past. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's something to do with uh, art and draftsmen. Would you like me to just read it? <laughs> yeah, okay, go ahead. If you love the arts, particularly the craft of drawing and painting and image making, and you want to level up your skills or even make a living with your skills, we are here to answer your questions, offer you advice, refer you to our resources, share your love of the craft, and maybe inspire you. Okay. I remember That's now. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I just wanted to review it because... When we're talking about drawing and painting and image making, and as somebody mentioned in the voicemails last week, we tend to go for a lot of the same artists over and over in our conversations because we know them and we love them and because they shine as examples. Okay. Studying parallel disciplines. If you're, if you're an actor, it might be good to know something about stagecraft and about uh, filming and microphones and that kind of thing. Uh, if you are going into any of the visual arts, think about the parallel disciplines. Graphic design is obviously an artistic discipline. Cinematography yeah. is, theater is, illustration is, architecture, tattoos. Photography. Yeah. Industrial design, you know, even transportation design. It used to be that uh, Art Center was the place that you could get an, a transportation design education that was highly professional and it was there to design automobiles. But concept artists were going there before they had an entertainment art major so that they would get those skills in transportation design and then design entertainment and space vehicles and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, now, of the disciplines of drawing and painting and picture making, 
One that we have not devoted an entire episode to is cartooning, and I felt we should. And is this my episode, or do you do you have stuff you want to say? I might add in, but I'm going to let you lead. Well, first of all, <laughs> who are your favorite cartoonists who were or are? Uh, let's see. So, I grew up on Nickelodeon. <laughs> I, I'm, okay. I'm that generation. And so, mm-hmm. I love Rugrats, Doug, mm-hmm. Cat Dog, mm-hmm. <laughs> Ren and Stimpy. Mm-hmm. I love Ren and Stimpy. But when I got older, in my teens... I I really really loved more of the Pixar 3D cartoons yeah. style, where it's very very simplified, mm-hmm. but now they're three dimensional forms that are simplified. Yeah, right. They're highly stylized three dimensional forms. Yeah, I I really enjoy that. Um, do you remember Boundin? No. What is it? It's a short. It's an animated short by Pixar. It's about a sheep. Uh, oh yes, I do know bound. that one. Yes. Yeah. And there's like a poem that's being read. I I remember just being so drawn to those forms, the way they designed those characters. They're mm-hmm. simplified in such a cool way. Yeah. I loved it so much. I don't know who the artist was that designed those, but I mean, it was Pixar, someone at Pixar. But it was good design. It was, yeah, it was great design. Yeah. I loved it. How about any that were cartoons like in the, the newspaper or comic strips or cartoon books? I, I did not read the newspaper, Marshall. I'm okay. sorry. I am okay. not from that <laughs> generation. Okay. I, I like uh, Little Nemo. When, when you introduced me to the Little Nemo, yeah. I looked a lot at it and I love it. I, lo- I love the, the, the uh, simplifications there, create cool style. Okay. <laughs> I'm very drawn to that as well, but I don't have a favorite. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, here's why I'll take, <laughs> I'll take this episode because I love cartoons. I know you do. That's why this is your episode. <laughs> they are just one of my all-time favorite kinds of drawings. I fell in love with them from before I could read, just seeing the images. I never lost the love and I've renewed that love in my old age. I love them more than I think I ever did, like songs. Because there's, well, how would you, how would we define a cartoon? The best I can do, whether it's animated or printed, but I'm going to emphasize print stuff. Okay. Uh, it's a simplified drawing, usually meant to be funny. Okay. And to see how universally children respond positively to them, that they prefer that often over photography, is something that I feel like we should mm. look at that, see what is in there. Uh, are you nodding your, or doing uh, your head like that because you didn't? I don't know why I'm, I don't like that, that you said it, that it's usually meant to be funny. Okay, go ahead. I mean, maybe usually it is, but why does that matter that it u- usually is? Is that is, does that have some kind of weight yeah. to it that yeah. it, it should usually be to be funny or let, let let's take a couple of minutes with this. Yes, yeah. There, when we talk about cartoons, and let's let's exclude animation for a moment, okay. just to say that before animation, there were still cartoons. The word cartoon actually just meant a preliminary line drawing that you would then project onto the canvas, a grid onto the canvas, and do your painting with all the rendering on it. And in the 20th century, it started to become so associated with just pure outline that when people did gags, and they did simplify drawings with these gags, they got called cartoons. Now, there is a spectrum of styles. Let's take the most extreme simplified style of cartooning. That would be the happy face. 
It's a circle with two dots and a curve, and it's, it reads as a face. Mojis. You can hardly get simpler than that. You could. You could take the smile out, and it might still read as a face. <laughs> right. But there is an emoji without a mouth. It's just right. the eyes. There, that okay. is actually, Yeah. <laughs> that is as extreme as you can go for simplicity and call it a representational drawing. On the other extreme, you have Windsor McKay's editorial illustrations, which have been called editorial cartoons. Windsor McKay was a cartoonist. Mm -hmm. And they are so developed and there is so much knowledge of perspective and form and lighting in there that they're essentially realistic illustrations, but mm -hmm. they still get grouped with cartoon. Now, that spectrum- Well, there is a lot of simplification there though, isn't there? There is. There is. They're still drawings. Yeah, they're, they're still, still drawings, but the proportions even, they're not, it's not like they're outlines of That's real right. proportions. They're very simplified. The limbs that could be a little tube, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's still, the simplification factor is still very much there. Yes, but the purpose of this is to say anything you could put the label on cartoon, uh, label on it, say that's a cartoon, has a wide spectrum of treatment. And okay. I think the more likely it leans over to the simplification, the more likely we are to call it a cartoon. And if it leans towards simplification and it's funny, it's definitely a cartoon. Okay. So that, that and, and by the way, this makes me start to want to already mention examples. In, <laughs> in the first half of the 20th century before television, there were so many cartoons, so many cartoonists and cartoons in the movies uh, before you would watch a Warner Brothers gangster film, you'd watch a Warner Brothers Looney Tunes animated short. And Disney was doing this full-fledged animation. When TV came in, you could not put that much time into animation. So, they had to simplify. They had to turn things into graphic shapes that could be moved around. They did it brilliantly. There were a number of different styles. Jay Ward uh, was an example of the, the Rocky and Bullwinkle stuff. Really cut rate animation, but still entertaining. But there was a studio called UPA that boiled down TV animation to such graphic simplicity that it became a, a kind of an icon of the 50s and 60s of simplified drawing turned into flat shapes. They did Mr. Magoo, which is may maybe not their most representative, Gerald McBoing Boing. Uh, Charlie can show examples <laughs> of this. <laughs> Gerald, Gerald McBoing Boing? Boing, yeah. Well, when he started talking, you know what he said? He didn't talk words. He went <laughs> instead. <laughs> Here is the point. TV needed faster production. Mm -hmm. Cartoonists, animators had to simplify. So, they simplified and simplified creatively and developed new styles out of that. Now, if you start delving into cartoons, this is a whole year of podcasts. When, when I found Don Martin's cartoons in Mad Magazine, those were the cartoons that made me laugh out loud. Uh, Al Jaffe, who just turned 100 just uh, a month or so ago, he's still alive. He made me laugh out loud with his mad snappy answers to stupid questions and some of his other stuff. There were This was before Gary Larson when The Far Side came in and there were all of these newspaper comics that were fairly, yeah, they were entertaining, but fairly bland, many of them. Gary Larson's were off the wall enough to where there was this wave of enthusiasm for Gary Larson, uh, not a mad artist. Sergio Aragonese is a 
famous cartoonist who did the little tiny drawings in Mad Magazine called the Mad Marginals. Do you know those, Stan? I might know when I see it. I don't know it by, by the description that you just- You might recognize the style. Uh-huh. If I, I know show, the Mad Magazine style. Yeah. Okay. I, no, but I've never no, I've he, never seen that. He like, did yeah. tons of little drawings. Those are cool. In the margins. Uh, and, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how come they got called the Mad Marginals. And that's cool. they were often laugh out loud funny. Now, here here's the <laughs> thing that happened with, with me. Uh, by, by the way, Sergio Argonis is really personable. Everybody knows him uh, at the Comic-Con and the WonderCon. He hangs around. Uh, okay. He's very loving toward all his fans, though he may have killed uh, Marty Feldman. Do, you, Wait, you haven't what? heard the story about how I like, ki- actually L- killed him? Look up the on the internet, Sergio <laughs> Aragones, How I Killed Marty Feldman or something like that, and he'll tell you the story uh, Wait, about like, it. Wait, like in real life killed him or like his career? No, no, kind of in real life killed him. What? Kind of accidentally. I don't want to tell the story though. Okay, I'll look it up. Sergio tells it in a comic book. What? This is funny? Did you is know it- who Marty Feldman is? <laughs> no. He was the actor who played Igor in Young Frankenstein, and he was okay. associated with the Monty Python guys. He had his own TV show in the 70s called The Marty Feldman ha- uh, Half a Comedy Hour, or something like that. He was a very funny guy, and uh, and I won't tell anymore. Okay. Sergio Aragones, loving, uh, nice to his fans, may have killed Marty Feldman. Uh, go read about it. <laughs> okay. I'll assume it's funny. That, yeah. <laughs> somehow. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. After all of these years of loving cartoons, I end up being the father of a son uh-huh. who I found from his very youngest days, two years old, went crazy for the style of cartoons. I read him all of the every single one of the mad comics in this anthology. These were not Mad wow. Magazine. These were the Mad Comics when it was 1951 to 1954, when it was a comic book. And then when the comics code said that it was inappropriate for children, Mad became a magazine because that way they wouldn't have to deal with the comics code. So, it changed and it was a different different set of artists. Who came up with the comics code? If you look that up, Frederick Wertham, (laughs) I think, was the psychiatrist who talked about uh, how evil comics were and that's a whole other thing. So, someone who doesn't like comics determined the comics code? Yeah, and, and oh, in what? some cases, Stan, in some cases, rightly so. Oh, okay. Some of that early 50s <laughs> stuff before the comics code is shockingly, uh, just really offensive. But okay. I, I read these to my son when he was four, five, six years old. He didn't even get any of the jokes. Uh-huh. He just liked the pictures. Right. I read him over 200 Little Nemo and Slumberlands uh, out loud. We tried reading George Harriman's Crazy Cat, which was a the longest running comic in the 20th century. And then when it ended, Peanuts became the longest running comic after that. So, it sort of picked up where Crazy Cat left off. And Crazy Cat is surreal. It's occasionally really funny, but we found it mostly confusing. Uh, when my son got older, he discovered in my library, Don Martin, and loved those, and Gary Larson. And so, I just felt happy that there was someone else who saw how wonderful this art was. Right now, I'm reading uh, my, my son Cooper 
a bunch of the P.D. Eastman books. Oh, the P.D. Eastman books are wonderful. He loves those. Yeah. He, like any one of his books, he just loves them. You have Are You My Mother? We have. Are you, that was actually yeah. the very first one. We got yeah. that when he was a, really small. Yeah. Um, then we, we uh, the second one we got for him was Go Dog Go. Yeah. Um, and we read, I probably read that to him like a hundred times now. Wow. Like, yeah. And then after that, I bought him the purple book, which has six of six different ones by Pete Eastman. It's got like the fish one, uh, big dog, little dog, oh, um, good. the one with the, the nest or the, the, the alligator hatches from the bird's nest. Uh, it, it, yeah. He loves, he loves it. They're all so good. Yeah, they are. I'm, I'm on yeah. it. I'm buying them. You're did you them? read those? Were, did you have those read to you when you were little? No. I did. <laughs> I remember P.D. Eastman's images and the rhythm of my babysitter's voice uh, reading that to me from the time I was like two years old. Yeah. I grew up on Russian cartoons. I mean, I was six when I came to the States. So, before six, I was watching all Russian cartoons. There, there's some funny ones. There's some really good ones. I want to know about them. There, there's, um, there's one. It's, it, it's very similar concept of um what's the 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 roadrunner uh what, what's that one called is it the roadrunner <laughs> yeah yeah the, 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 Brothers the Road, yeah but what's the cartoon actually i don't think it's called roadrunner right or is it called roadrunner i don't know okay well anyway the one where you got the roadrunner always running away uh-huh the 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 coyote is always trying to kill him or something right and yeah the road, yeah anyway so it's like a very similar thing also tom and jerry that kind of thing right there there's one that's a rabbit and a wolf and the rabbit's this cute little rabbit um mm -hmm. it's called nupagadi and mm -hmm. i grew up on on that one i loved it <laughs> i'm <laughs> was... interested this is stuff that's out of our mainstream you should watch it it's really fun yeah you, yeah it's on youtube you, you just well i'll have to it's nupagadi is the russian way to say it, but i'll send you a link okay do you know about heinrich hoffman's the the shock-headed peter a german uh children's illustrations that the horrible things that happen to children when they do the wrong things. Does this sound familiar? No. <laughs> it was like a precursor to Edward Gorey. Okay. Um, that, it's, an, it's another thing. It's, it's not in mainstream US culture and I, I don't know that that, I mean, maybe German people probably do know about it. I found out about it from a friend who knew it from her childhood. And uh, anyway. Yeah. I, I know I'm wandering around. I, I want to get back to uh, <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, uh, the, the love of cartoons in childhood. Yeah. M my son, when he started to become a teenage, young teenager, got into Garfield and Get Fuzzy, which I never read, and Calvin and Hobbes, which I did not get into until I looked at Bill Watterson's artwork. And I lost my breath. To me, it's stunning. Hmm. The gestures alone from Calvin and Hobbes. Bill Watterson? Also, Is that what Yeah, you yeah. The guy who did Calvin and Hobbes. Does he have other stuff? Well, no. Just those are those alone. Okay. Uh, yeah. Calvin Hobbes is great. The apparently slapdash style that he is in full control of. And then yeah. when he goes into Spaceman Spiff and he does the dinosaurs and his knowledge of dinosaurs, it is just some of the best drawing of the late 20th century that I've seen. And I think if we're going to talk about cartoons and artists who are touchstones, influences on your drawing, whatever style you're going to use, you, the, the best way to start is with loves. He kind of looks like he could be your brother or something. <laughs> uh, he himself? Yes. 
<laughs> photos of him. Gosh, I hardly know what he looks like. He's kind of a private guy. He has tremendous integrity. Yeah, there's only a few photos of him here, but but he kind of he looks like he could be your brother. <laughs> he doesn't want to be a public figure, and he's turned down what could be enough money to buy himself an island for not licensing those characters because they're like they're like his babies, uh -huh. and he cares about them enough not to just exploit them. But I'm jumping all over the place. Is it, is this going to be a, a, a fanboy episode where you, where you express your love? I guess I need to switch into teaching. Okay, here's what I'll try to- No, you don't have to. I'm enjoying you talking about how much you love cartoons. <laughs> here's, here's what I'll, I'll, I think we should do. We've, we've, we've defined cartoons enough. Uh, I want to give some book reviews and recommendations about how they can help artists. And okay. particularly, if you want to be a cartoonist. Who doesn't want to be a cartoonist? I can't imagine anybody not <laughs> wanting to be a cartoonist. I can imagine. I, I did a, a private, a one-hour mentorship- uh, on Friday, or uh -huh. yeah, no, it was this Monday, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. and um, it was with one of the winners of a Proco challenge. And this uh -huh. guy is all about realism. Um, he loves Caesar Santos, like that's his idol. He wants to be just like Caesar. And I don't think he wants to be a cartoonist. <laughs> I think he's all about realism, and he's yeah. really good at it. Yeah, good. I don't think Caesar Santos wants to be a cartoonist. Maybe he does. Whatever, but. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just suspecting that everyone secretly okay. wants to be. Because yeah. you love it so much, there's no way people Yeah, could there's no not. way anybody couldn't love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, here's, here's a way to look at it. What is the great skill of a cartoonist? One of them is to draw as you like rapidly. And I, I think that even though we mention Kim Jong-gi every week, he is a great example of a cartoonist. What he's doing is very oh, yeah. close oh, yeah. to cartooning. Uh, so, to be able to invent characters and worlds out of imagination, like an improvisational actor being able to come up with characters and scenarios is a skill that it seems like would be attractive to any artist, but particularly something that makes people want to be cartoonists. Yeah. I would suspect that the skills that we could learn from them or what the things you need to be good at to be a good cartoonist is one, primarily simplification, two, stylization, yep. uh, three, storytelling, yep. uh, four, credibility. Credibility? What do you mean? Because even though there are cartoons that are just stick figures, uh -huh. the great, often the great cartoonists, even though it's so flat looking, there mm -hmm. is a sense of th that's really going on in that world. That's mm. where gesture is so important to it uh, okay. and storytelling. You really do yeah. feel like these are, they're just lines on paper and yet they start to take on a life. Yeah. Where you laugh about them as if they are children that are doing funny things in your life and you talk with other people about them. So, that's what I mean by credibility is that they really do seem like they're, they're people. Yeah, okay. Okay. I want to talk about the education of a cartoonist, education of an artist with a lesson from cartoonists. We'll call this drawing lessons from cartoonists. Okay. Nice. Let's do it. All right. About eight years ago, Terrell Whitlatch invited me to a dinner where I got to sit next to Sandro Clouseau. He's an animator and a character designer for animation studios. He's worked for DreamWorks and Disney and he's been regularly employed for decades. And he was raised in Brazil and I asked him how he got his education and he didn't go to art school. He didn't even really go to school for art. He watched cartoons 
And then he tried to draw from cartoons. So there's the first thing. But then in their house, they had a copy of Preston Blair's book. I don't know which book it was, but if you go back to the first one he published, it was Advanced Animation, uh, which has been since yanked. It was later yanked from the market because it had copyrighted characters in there mm. uh, or trademark characters in there. And so he had to redo it. But that early one that he did is just great. And when that's the only textbook you have to study from, it means that you have years to absorb everything out of there. And for all of the limitations of that book, he apparently learned enough craft to then become an in-between animator and then go on to become a successful character designer and to get him to be a pro. Now, it took more than one book and it took his energy and his interest and his talent and that job as an in-betweener, so he's got experience. But what stands out to me is that even with one book, if it's good enough and you ingest it, it might be enough to start a lifetime of craft. And I want to, out of the collection of so many famous books, see if I can make some recommendations for ones to attend to. Okay. But before I do, do you have any that are on your mind? Any books that are toward cartooning that have been in your experience? Yeah. So, other than the ones that you mentioned, um, I have some more, more recent ones, some living artist ones. Um, okay. I have... I don't know if you've seen this one. Tuesday, 100 Tuesday Tips? Yeah, by, by Grizz and Norm. They have an Instagram and they publish little little cartoon things all the time about how to draw random stuff. There's also a Therrington Brothers. Oh, yeah. We're going to end on them. They're great. Um, yeah. Steven Silver yeah. um, does a lot of cartooning stuff that's wonderful. Sure does. Yeah. Th those are the ones that stick out. I'm probably missing some. I mean, do you consider, I mean, caricature is cartooning, right? Yeah, yeah. Caricature caricature fits in there. I love Court Jones. He doesn't have a book, but he does have a, yeah. a, a course. He has a Proco course. He has a course on Proco. Yeah, he sure does. <laughs> All about caricature. He's got like a hundred something lessons in there, I think. Maybe it's less than yeah. hundred, but, but yeah, it's, it's all about caricature. And he's awesome. <laughs> he won the Golden Nosy. <laughs> the Golden Nosy. It's like the Oscars of caricature. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. Good. The Golden Nosy. Okay. Golden yeah, because nosy. noses are so fun to play with. Yeah. Yeah. It's the stereotype of what a caricature is. You just make the nose big. Make, make the nose and you got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we go to the 20th century where there were these great cartoonists, that would even include Heinrich Klei. It would include T.S. Sullivan. If you don't know about Harrison Cady, Harrison Cady was a wonderful cartoonist. And we could spend a whole episode just listing names of these cartoonists. The good thing about choosing favorites is that they can become touchstones for you. You've got more variety in the 20th century than you are imagining unless you already know it. But there is a caveat for the 20th century, especially the first half, but it goes well into the second half, is that you are going to come up against imagery. It's just, it goes with it, that is wrong. The punching down, uh, the you've got race issues, gender issues, but there was another one that came up just in the last few weeks as I was getting ready for this of income issues. Making fun of the poor mm. is a very common thing in a lot of that, and and cruelty to animals is another thing that was one of the common tropes of of comics in the U.S. So yeah. it's sort of like 
we're going to go over to some people, some relatives' house. These people are really interesting, fascinating, right. entertaining people, but they don't use toilets. So you've got to be prepared for that. You can hold your breath. You got to could... hold your breath so you don't witness the stink. But there is there is that caveat about the 20th century. Yeah. Mainstream entertainment. Yeah. We witnessed a little bit of that with even Loomis books, right? He's got some very stereotypical portraits in there. Uh, they mention in there, in the reprint, they mention that there is offensive stuff in here, but oh, really? they are going to keep it. Yeah, they're, they're going to keep it in here. That is the reprint. That's the one that's that's for uh, now. They said, we're going to keep it in for a matter of something like historical accuracy. Yeah. And so, that's a whole other subject. Yeah. Dr. Seuss actually recently, they pulled- That's right. Like, what, is it six of his books? Yeah, including his first one, which is to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street because it has uh, racial stereotypes in yeah. there. Uh, I know that book really well, and we've had discussions in in classes uh, about it. Uh, but I think that's a, another topic. Yeah, I think that the thing we want to focus in, if you can handle this, is the the what they offer with drawing styles. Yeah, when it comes to the artists that you admire, that you use as touchstones, the cartoonists you admire. These great cartoonists were not necessarily teachers. And so it helps, like with Sandro Clouseau, to have a book or two or three or four that will help you learn. And there is an old one that, with caveats, 1910, I think, or 1915 by Eugene Zimmerman on drawing. It's out of print, but animationresources.org has made it available. I think you have to make a donation to them. This guy was an amazing draftsperson, wonderful exaggeration of characters. He doesn't teach you much about how to draw in the Zim guide to cartooning, or at least not what I've seen of it. I may not have seen all of it. He does give you life lessons in there and the lifestyle of a cartoonist and attitudes to take that are, are worthwhile. Then there is another very famous book on cartooning, the Jack Ham book. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought I had it here. I've got so many stacks of books sitting around me, but the Jack Ham book is one of the most famous, again, with caveats. But Jack Ham, the strength of his book is that he has a page or a portion of a page for every way that a cartoonist could treat an ear or a nose or nostril wings. He's got a portion of a page devoted only to males sleeping in beds and how to make <laughs> them funny. So, it, the thing is, doesn't waste a square inch of a page yeah. to where you've got this thing you could spend a year in just getting the cartoon conventions and tropes. Yeah, that reminds me again of the Ritherington brothers where they'll just pick something so specific. It seems oddly specific yeah. and then they'll, they'll just explore that in depth. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, what I what? love about the uh, <laughs> yeah. Etherington brothers though, is that this can go on for another 10 years oh, and never exhaust. We're just going to study whirlpools. Yeah. We're just going to study Anything. the way people hold their little fingers. It's like you can you can take, <laughs> exactly. take yeah. this and run it. <laughs> yeah. But that's what creative people do. The whole world is filled with inspiration. And Jack Ham uh, covers every possible option of a whole bunch of things. So, if nothing else, you can pick up the spirit that a kid 
when they get excited about cartoons does, which is that everything is a cartoon. Your parents are cartoons, your teachers are cartoons, your friends are cartoons, the, the rules are cartoons. Everything is a gag to be milked. And so you look at the world through a lens and Jack Ham has that spirit who he, and he's a bit like, uh, like Michael Scott. In that he's absolutely guileless. He's completely in a state of innocence, but he's also more wrong than I think that he could have ever realized. Right. It's that innocent, but like completely wrong. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah. Okay. It, it's ignorance. And, yeah. And it, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the the irony <laughs> is that the cartoonist becomes the the uh, the butt of the joke. Uh, now there is the famous artist school with the same issues. Of 20th century stuff. I've always been very uh, happy with the instruction in the famous artist school uh, cartooning course. It covers a lot. It's sound. But as I went through it in the last month, it is less good than I remembered. It's still worthwhile, but it's just, it, it, I'm not as excited about it as I was. Now, here are the two that I think are the best. I think that Andrew Loomis's fun with a pencil, caveats aside, for training you in the skills of a cartoonist and learning how to make any shape and put rubber bands around it on two axes and then pull forms out of it where you can do the same thing and be able to invent from imagination, that that is the best textbook for the training of a cartoonist in classic drawing, classic form. And then the other would be uh, Preston Blair, the one that Sandro Clouseau learns from so much. And Preston Blair's book is aimed toward training a young animator with 2D, drawing with a pencil, great lessons in there, not at all comprehensive. It is a very limited spectrum of your education, but it is a wonderful little collection of lessons from a guy who was a great animator. He animated a lot of Tex Avery stuff. He animated on Pinocchio. He was one of the credited animators on the Disney 1939-1940 Pinocchio. So those are the two. And then there are many others that I'm leaving out. Uh, Nick <laughs> Meglin of Mad Magazine, whom I worked for uh, my first job for him for Mad uh, did a book called Humorous Illustration, which is not cartooning, but it's so filled with stuff about cartooning and interviews with these people and spotlights on them. Uh, the there, oh, there is the Jack Ham book. Uh, <laughs> I did have it here. It was too close to you to see it. I've got stacks of these things: Mort Gerberg's, which is dated; it's pre-internet. Polly God. Keener's, which is dated; it's pre-internet. Wow. I have never even heard of these books. I've never seen these covers that you're showing. Are they are they worth it for people to study when they're starting to learn how to draw? Because like most of the time when people take like a drawing basics course, yeah. a lot of the beginning is like starting to build things out of basic shapes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Even, even like with Glenn Vilpu, who obviously is teaching you more representational figure drawing, anatomy, all that stuff. He still starts with basic shapes, start yes. with ovals and squares and, and, and build that stuff. And and so, like, cartoons are all about that. You, sim you start with simplification. Are these books worth it or should I just stick with those three that everyone knows about? Yeah. Let, let me take about three or four minutes uh, to address that. Okay. Um, one thing that we have to be clear about with cartooning books is that some of them are about coming up with ideas. 
One of my favorites is Bob Mankoff's The Naked Cartoonist, which I've mentioned before. And I've also mentioned Ivan Brunetti. Ivan Brunetti has a whole course, Cartooning Philosophy and Practice. And this one is not just about coming up with ideas. It's also about drawing. Uh, so, we, we've got to divide that. You're not going to learn much about how to draw okay. from Bob Mankoff's two excellent books, uh, The Naked Cartoonist and My Life is a, how, uh, how About Never, Does Never Work for You. Uh, those are wonderful for the creative process. But when it comes to drawing, uh, here's what I would suggest. Use the library to start. Get all the cartooning books out in front of you you can. Mm -hmm. Sort through them. Don't just give five minutes to each one. Give an hour to each one. If it totals up to 12 hours over a period of months, you get to know what's in each book. And then yeah. do what Sandro did. Narrow down till you say these three or fewer. You may just want to say, I want to spend six months in one. If you're an absolute beginner, this book, which I've had on my shelf for some time, I spent a couple hours in it. Say, say the it's, name. <laughs> it's Robin Hall's book, The Cartoonist Workbook. Now, let me give a two-minute review of this. Interesting. This book is not going to teach you classic drafting. It's not going to teach you thickness of form. If you're a beginner and you're threatened by all this perspective and anatomy stuff, Robin Hall starts you out with the simplest things possible. How can you do the shape of a keyhole and turn it into a cartoon character? And that's a start. You can do the shape of other things and turn them into cartoon characters. But it is so accessible to us in our six to eight-year-old skills that it gives you confidence that I can cartoon. They don't have to be three-dimensional. And mm. then the, the wisdom in Robin Hall's book uh, the main wisdom is practice, practice, practice. Nobody gets to be a good cartoonist unless they do this a lot and all the time until the strokes become a matter of your subconscious mind. And I don't think that Robin ever used the word subconscious mind. But one book alone to take a month or three or six in, like Sandro did, means that as your choice, I like this style, I want to get good at this style, that is a great way to start. And then where I go from there, oh gosh, Dan, before I go on, yeah, I, I, I've got to say another thing. Okay. Uh, this is what you'll get from a number of those other books like Polly Keems and Mort Gerberg and Nick Meglin. It is a profession. It is not something that when you're going to do it professionally, you can be casual about it. And to know the history of it, even if you are appalled by the 20th century, to know the history of it cartoons and comics have a whole terminology glossary. Uh, the guy who did Beetle Bailey, Mort Walker, put together a book called, called The Lexicon of Comicana. Uh, and, and the Lexicon <laughs> of Comicana. What? <laughs> there are all of these words, um, quimps, Pludes and Grolixes. You know how when what somebody are you, what listen are you to this, saying? Listen, listen, listen to this. When these somebody aren't real words. <laughs> yes, they are. But when when somebody swears, you know how they have the asterisks and the symbols yeah. and the explanations. Those are called Grolixes. 
Grolics, really. Yeah. And in the 20th century, <laughs> there are scores, maybe hundreds of these things. And if, if you want to know more about it, just look up cartoon physics on Wikipedia uh, or, or look up the, the book has been out of print and people are asking astronomical amounts like $1,000 for it. Uh, Plimps, Quoods, Plimps. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a real name. <laughs> Quimps, Plutes, and Grolixes by Mort Walker. Uh, and somebody, I think, is going to put together more of this where you, you study all that and you say, this is a world. Cartooning is a world. It's a surreal world. It's a world that can be any style you choose. And so, between these instructional books and choosing cartoonists, George Booth is someone I've just focused on recently. This was a New Yorker cartoonist who would, he would probably be close to a hundred now. They are just a wonderful, daring style of drawing. Choose your favorite cartoonists, take your time to look at the old stuff, get some good teachers, and then I want to end on this. When you've gone to the library, seen a smattering, chosen a few, focus in on them, do not miss the Etherington brothers. Yeah. Because Lorenzo's, Lorenzo's uh, How to Think When You Draw, <laughs> I would love to spend a year just going through those with students for inspiration, for for uh, the specifics that they're teaching are also interesting. How do you do billows of smoke? How do you do speed lines when something takes off at a fast uh, level? All of that, it, it almost feels to me that if you're going to learn to be a chef, why not start out learning to make candies? Because you're going to be excited about what you do, it'll be fun, and it's, it's going to teach you some yeah. really strict disciplines about how to make good candies. Start with cupcakes. And yeah, yeah. And also, uh, it's not just Lorenzo's How to Think When You Draw. Robin's got the one of How to Think When You Write, yeah. which I haven't spent much time in yet. Yeah, I so, I want to wait on that. But hey, wouldn't it be great if we could get them as guests? Yeah. Maybe we will. You think you could use your clout as Stan Prokopenko to bring them onto this podcast as guests? Probably not. I'll probably have to mention that Marshall will be there too. <laughs> oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll that'll be a draw. Wow. Um, I think I think that actually would. <laughs> um, but what do you? What new cartoons are you into? Like, have you seen anything recent that you just? Yeah. You love the, the stuff. What, what? Well, I teach a cartooning class. So I have the, the way we start out is bring in your favorite cartoons. And 90 yeah. plus percent of the students bring in stuff that they're, that's happening right now, current web yeah. comics. But there's a, there's a popular one called Cyanide and Happiness that yeah. relies on simple stick figure kind of uh, drawing. Mm -hmm. But the writer is clever. The artist and writer is clever. But the stuff that's made me laugh out loud the most, I don't even know if he's doing it now, Nicholas Gurowich, the Perry Bible Fellowship stuff that he did, I think he only did it for a, just a short time. But every one of these, they were mostly four panel cartoons as I recall. Uh -huh. There's a reason why the four panel cartoon evolved and it will never go away. There's something about that one, two, three, four rhythm of, of, of a gag that works so well. And he would do them in different styles. Uh, from one to another. And his stuff was since Gary Larson stopped doing it, 
uh, is the stuff that's made me laugh out loud the most and share it with friends. How about you? Do you know any that are happening right now that you're excited about? Honestly, I really like um, some of the stuff I've been seeing on Instagram, like Max Greco. Have you have you ever seen his stuff? Not yet. His his is he. It's not it's not just like silhouettes. It's actually not even line line art. It's he he adds definitely a three dimensionality to it. Mm -hmm. But it all starts with just shapes. Yeah, and it's very much about the design of things. Yeah, um, I really like his stuff. By the way, I, I think I said Max Greco. Max Greco, it's, that's what I wrote down. Yeah, it's Grecky. It is an E at the end. I, it, I, it uh, spelled G-R-E-C-K-E. C-K-E, -E, yeah. Okay, got yeah. it. I got it. I really like David Garrido or Garrido. So I don't how do you know spell it? Uh, David and then G-A-R-R-I-D-O. Really love his stuff. Um, yeah, it's yeah, beautiful. Um and this this might not apply because it's it's much more realistic. But like a lot of the European comics. Oh yeah. A and is it is it more Italian? Wait, what French? There's the a, French. Italian and French. And yeah. There's a, there's a number of them. They're oh, incredible. So good. It, I, I know. Just, I'm so impressed by a lot of <laughs> so many of them. I, yeah. I think we were together at Comic Con flipping through a lot of the French comic we books were. together. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so impressive. Um, also, uh, Sanford Green is another one from the comic world that I just... Uh, Sanford constantly. Green. Okay. Well, when you bring up the European uh, cartoonists and many others, we didn't mention anything uh, uh, about all sorts of great cartoonists. So, mm -hmm. rather than getting upset that you left out so-and-so and you left out so-and-so, we can't <laughs> oh, cover so them much. all. Yeah. You know, in, in uh, about 2005, 2006, we, we did pilgrimages up to Los Angeles. They did a, a show at the Hammer Museum and the Museum of Contemporary Art on Masters of American Comics. The Dead Ones, that would be Chester Gould and Windsor McKay and, and Charlie Schulz and all these others, and The Living Ones. And uh, I spent most of my time at the show of The Dead Ones. There were about a thousand cartoon drawings in there. They're originals of them, including original Windsor McKay's that, that Gary Trudeau owned and lent to it. It was it was breathtaking. It was marvelous. There is so much stuff. I haven't even mentioned all fifteen of those comic, uh, cartoonists' names. So in the, in the comments, what you could do is share favorite cartoonists, why you like them, maybe, and also cartooning resources because we're leaving out so many. And forgive me for my short sightedness of not mentioning your favorite cartoonists <laughs> nor the ones yeah. from your country. We never mentioned Harvey Kurtzman, never mentioned Bill Elder, never mentioned all these others. But hey, this is why it would be good to have a year of drawing lessons from cartoonists. Some year. You didn't mention Matt Groening. Uh, we didn't mention Matt, the most successful cartoonist <laughs> yeah, what the hell, alive <laughs> right now. If, if Matt I think it's Graining. Graining? Is it Graining? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I Jesus. don't think we okay. mentioned, we didn't mention Bill Plimpton. We didn't mention all sorts of them. So, if, they're, if they were to watch this just to say, hey, what? You didn't mention me? And I've made more money <laughs> yeah. as a cartoonist than any person ever alive? <laughs> yeah. I, I apologize for that. But we already apologized yeah. for that. Yeah. Let's just say okay. that if we can turn this into a love fest of favorite cartoons and lessons from them in the coming years, yeah. that would be a worthwhile thing for all people who want to be good drafts persons. Yeah. We didn't mention the nine, is nine wise men, nine old men from the, the Disney? The nine old men that were nine the animators. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> but when we won't. <laughs> Why? Because we've, we've run out of time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good.
Gosh, this was fun. It was. You, you just, you're just nerding out this whole episode. This is what this is. We're, we're just going to call this nerding out about Marshall nerds out. No, this is serious drawing lessons from cartoonists. Even though the only drawing lesson we gave was simplify, but yeah, yeah get rubber bands around there. Uh, yeah, so you can't say lessons. No, drawing it's les resources. Lesson, lesson. You just got to do singular. Yeah, yeah. It's re resources for drawing lessons for cartoonists. Lesson. Yeah. If we ever have a, a month long or, I'd, gosh, I wouldn't want to do a month long one. I'd want to do at least three months. No, Marshall, a full year. A full year, yeah, a full year on just this is going to be cartooning year. If you're going to be cartooning, <laughs> cartooning year, be a cartooning master. We all hang out and we learn. 2022, year, cartooning year. What are we going to do next? Ah, jeez, you always catch me by surprise. I, I can propose. <laughs> I will say yes. Uh, expressivity and abstraction. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, you, you said that last time. In drawing. In picture making, yeah. Like to get to get away from the classic drafting skills that we keep emphasizing, let's go the other way to the stuff that is as as sensory, immediate. Uh, forgive the word naive, but yeah, the kind of thing that that uh, without the sophistication of the tools of illusion, mm -hmm. it's all about feeling. Yeah, extremely sophisticated on another level. It's just like composing a symphony instead of composing a song. If you leave out the lyrics, now this thing doesn't mean anything. Yeah, but that's where some of the great music happens. And so abstraction and expressivity might be a worthwhile thing to pursue in here. All right. Yeah, I'm going to have to do some research. Remember, Marshall, I think in the last episode or in the voicemail episode that we just did, I mentioned, I think in words, not feelings <laughs> and uh, images, yeah. right? So, th th that ex expressiveness is uh, counterintuitive for me. Mm -hmm. And I think for you too, right? You said you think in words. I do think in words, yeah. So you're, you're a little more logical in that. So, it'll be an interesting thing you know, to, to both of us trying to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. It, it, may be, it may be the attraction of other though that makes... Yeah. Uh, the people who are lean toward expressivity so attractive, so exciting. Yeah. Oh yeah, there is a dance going on on that page okay. that is is worth the attention. Okay. Okay. Well, tune in next week to to see us attempt to talk about something we <laughs> don't do well. <laughs> hopefully, we'll come in with humility. Yeah. Hopefully. Well, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Okay. At least you'll get a sh you get to watch us fall on our face. Yeah, that's, that yeah. can be entertaining too. We're yeah. cartoons. <laughs> yeah, okay. Thanks, guys. Okay, thanks, Dan. Thank you, Marshall. Thank you all. Bye.